In a world overrun with an infinite amount of multiverses, originating from a plethora of sources, four longtime friends band together to try to make sense of it all and present it to an audience in an easy-to-digest podcast. This is Geeking Off the Page. Greetings, geeks. I'm Mike Kitchen, and my aspirations have always been higher than my abilities. Hey everybody, this is Trevor, and just like the shirt says, if the zombies are chasing us, I am 100% tripping you. I'm Gavin, and there's kaiju in my peanut butter. I'm Troy, and who's on first? So I'd like to welcome everyone here to the latest episode of Geeking Off the Page. It's a gathering of like-minded people that have known each other for going on over 25 years. And what we are doing here is we are culminating together over Zoom to do the thing that we used to do when we were sitting in the same place all during college for animation. And that's just talk the shit about all the things that are pop culture, mostly comic books, uh, video games, movies, and stuff like that. We are generally geared towards the uh, movie uh, genres, which are uh, now going to be mostly comic book stuff, but we go all over the place. We go all over the map. So like I said, this is the 17th uh, week in a row that we've been doing this. So everyone that's been uh, coming along, thanks for joining. If this is your first time, welcome. Check out the other stuff because it's kind of interesting, but uh, we're here for a, a bit of a time. We roughly run out of about two hours uh, an episode and uh, this is what you get. So anyways, as we go on to this sort of uh, deal, we'll stop rambling and uh, go on to what we no, usually we... start off every single episode, or mostly every single episode, as we uh, start doing our coming attractions. So we talk about all the trailers that were released to us over the previous week. And this week, we have actually quite a few to get through. And uh, what we're going to start off with is the first one, which is um, personally one of the ones, one of my favorite ones to be seen this week is uh, we got yet another trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now, this one gives us a little more of the storyline and all that, and um, it um, it gives us more footage than what we have seen before. Now, if everyone has seen all the trailers up to this point, you'll know that there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we know that uh, Egon's uh, daughter and her two kids are now moving into the middle of uh, central of, of america the central part of north america of, of americana thank you and um we discover that a bunch of egon's stuff is ghostbusters related is all in this abandoned uh farm um and we just we experience what it is to be a kid discovering what ghostbusters used to be back in the day so uh what did you guys think of this uh, particular trailer I wants to go first. I, I'll go first. Go I, really want to, I really want to see this movie. This was the movie I think we were supposed to get in 2016 and didn't. Um, it's a beautiful continuation of Ghostbusters 1 and 2. I like the fact that the two kids are not just Egon clones. In a way, actually, the older kid, the one, one from Stranger Things, feels more like a Ray. He's a little bit more mechanically inclined. Um, and you know, the, the daughter is, is definitely more of an Egon, even with the hairstyle. Um, and there's a lot of little call outs like they, they even show the commercial like on YouTube. They show the commercial. Um, I love that moment. And that that was a great moment. The very end when, you know, the red phone rings, you don't see who picks it up. But it's 100 percent. You know, the voice and says we're closed. And you're like, thank God he's in it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm 
definitely going to be lining up to see this one. Um, it's it's yeah, it's 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 the one I wanted to see in 2016 and didn't. Anyone else? Who's next? Well, you seem to be Argo. right. Yeah, there you go. All right, why not? When there's a lull, let's turn to Gavin. And, and Gavin's done. That's your cue. All Gavin. right. There you go. Did we everyone freeze? <laughs> no, just you. Sorry, every, oh, everything so completely froze. Oh, I know. Really? <laughs> I thought that was a dramatic pause. I thought so too. I thought he was a oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I know. Okay, what do you have to say about uh, this afterlife, Gavin? I I gotta say, I'm 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 quite excited. I'm with Trevor on this. Uh this this feels like it's uh it's a it's a good homage to the original. As well as incorporating, uh, like, just uh, a lot of small things, like the conspiracy theories and all that. You know, like the, the when they were going through, there's a, all, all the stuff on the side was was like, uh, did the Ghostbusters really exist? You know, it's like it's like starting to parrot some of the QAnon type stuff that you see on uh, on YouTube. The and it's like. It's it's an entire country being gaslit into thinking Ghostbusters never existed. And I think this is gonna this is gonna kind of be the comeback for Ghostbusters as uh, into the modern society. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll second that as well. Um, so what uh, what I will ha- actually say is what uh, Trevor was disappointed in the uh, 2016 version, and uh, I will say that I actually really enjoyed the uh, the um, what was it called? Uh, Ghostbusters, what is the subtitle they actually ended up giving it later on? Anyways, that's not really that important right now, but um, I enjoyed it. I, I, liked, I enjoyed the chemistry that the characters had between each other. Now, unfortunately, it didn't seem to have the same feel as the original Ghostbusters did, which was understandable doing a whole entire different universe and whatnot and having to do a loose, uh, loose sort of uh, reboot, but then turns out to be connected somehow in the final scene of the actual movie. But um, but I am like the others, totally looking forward to this uh, this coming out. Uh, I believe it is on the 11th of November uh, for everyone to see a continuation of the Ghostbusters story. And it's not like it's an homage to the original. It's just is technically the next movie in the series because you are being connected back right to the original. I love how this new trailer has Annie Potts in it front and center and how she's talking so lovingly about Egon and all that. It's just going to be, I have a feeling it's going to be a tearjerker of uh, 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 an opening to this movie, just getting over the fact that we now know that Egon has passed on sort of thing. But, and like you guys said, that ending where they call the phone number, it's one of the original Ghostbusters that answers the phone. So there you go. Um, but uh, I, uh, yeah, I am. I, I've been a fan since day one. I went to see it opening weekend. I actually was wearing an actual Ghostbusters T-shirt when I went to see the opening <laughs> in the movie with a couple of friends and all that. Um, it was. It's been a fun series. I've gotten into everything about it. I've even started building myself a proton pack. I mean, I've got the jumpsuit. I have a group of cosplayers that we all do ghostbuster themed stuff we actually have the lab coat versions and all that which is probably what i'll be wearing because it's a hell of a lot more comfortable than a jumpsuit to wear but and it actually might be pack. might be warmer than yeah exactly the sitting down with a proton pack now nah, you know what i sat down in a boba fett costume once with a backpack 
it's not comfortable to watch a movie like that. Rockets shooting all over the theater. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, this is no, this wasn't good. <laughs> Thankfully, I only had the one missile. It shot off at the beginning of the, the movie. Other guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mike, what do you have enough. to say? What do you have to say, Mike? I'm with Trevor on this. It's the movie I've wanted to see since 1984, at least judging by the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I hope it doesn't let me down. And I will also say this is exactly what I wanted to see from Stranger Things season two, which I didn't. You know, even the fact that they're dressed up in the costumes is like, oh, this season's going to be great. And for me, season two, Stranger Things was a letdown. But to have that small town American feel, like the fact that they went from New York to like middle America, it's great as far as the setting. The fact that it looks like Gowser is coming back. I don't know what the heck's happening with the little Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, but it's a hilarious scene in the trailer. <laughs> and like, just like you guys were saying too, because it's Ghostbusters through the eyes of children, it's going to be an interesting take. Like it's going to be something completely new. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. I, like everything that I'm seeing in this is everything that I didn't see in all the previous Ghostbusters, including Ghostbusters 2, including the reboot Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to this one. You guys answer were talking the about the one, the, the female the reboot? Call. Yeah, the reboot. Answer the call. Um, yeah. With that one, have you guys seen the comparison video? Somebody did that. They took original Ghostbusters and the reboot Ghostbusters and just showed the difference in pasting with editing. And oh, the really? Yeah. Yeah, it's a fascinating one. Like, there's it, the elevator sequence where, in the original Ghostbusters, it's a still shot. It's all the actors doing their bits. Right. It's all the way they look over and they turn on the proton pack and they just and kind of slide over <laughs> out of frame. Compared to the female reboot one, where it's cuts back and forth and there's silly jokes in between, and you never get the drama from the scene. Yeah. Now, I they also I did will that say with the alley sequence. There's, there's stuff i liked in the 2016 ghostbusters i think um kate mckinnon nailed her role oh for perfectly. sure I mean, oh my favorite like, yes but the, the problem i think i had it wasn't like oh well, i i don't want women ghostbusters i'm i don't care what the gender of the ghostbusters are i really don't that's not a big deal to me but i think it was just the the, the director just saying well i'm doing i'm doing a nice homage spirit like if you're going to reboot it, reboot it. If you're going to do a, a sequel, do a sequel. But don't do this mishy-mashy combination of the two and then get all defensive when people are like, well, what the hell is it? Is it a reboot or is it a, you know, a continuation? Um, and it was just, yeah, like as, as Mike said, they, the pacing and the editing, it's like they, they looked at Ghostbusters but didn't realize what they were looking at and then just tried to imitate it without understanding right. why the shots were done the way they were. And to me, it was just inferior filmmaking. It really was. Yeah. It was someone trying to say, well, let's slap the modern editing style on, on a classic well, without understanding why the classic works. And, and that's where that movie fell apart for me. I mean, it, yeah, the 2016 Ghostbusters had great, some great visuals. Um, that whole giant like parade fight, was that was great. Again, Kate McKinnon killed it when she's like pulling out the little one, like the little hand blasters and stuff. But yeah, there's just so much of that film that I was just, I came into the theater just going, uh, 
And then when I heard that Afterlife was being announced, and especially when you saw the first couple of trailers, I was like, oh my God. First time I saw the farmhouse, it jumped me right back to the original 84 Ghostbusters when Ray was complaining about getting a third mortgage on this house. He grew up in this house. And I was thinking, is this Ray's house? And then we find out it's Egon's. And I'm thinking, did Egon buy it off of Ray? Is this where he, or was this Egon's, you know, was this the house Egon grew up in sort of thing? So these are questions I have that I'm, I'm, I know for a fact they're going to answer it in this film. But I'm sitting here going, gotta know. I gotta know. I have to wait till November. Well, damn. So yeah. Yeah. As far as the female Ghostbusters thing, I thought when they released the information that it's gonna be an all-female Ghostbusters, I thought that is totally something Peter Venkman would do. If he's gonna hire on the next generation, yeah, of course he'd hire on a bunch of hot women. So anyways, I thought that was a genius idea until it was a complete redo. Like it wasn't connected. And to me, yeah. they desecrated the original, which really bothered me. I'm just hoping Ray um, Parker Jr. gets to do the next theme song. You know, pull him out of storage. That is, I really admit that is the most devastatingly disappointment about that 2016 version is the... Whoever the hell did their version of the Ghostbusters, that was... Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, I just hope they they ask Ray Parker Jr. to do the, the theme song to the afterlife. Right, right. You know, bring it full circle. Why not? Okay. And uh next up on our list of uh trailers is we got one that uh, I unfortunately didn't get around to, but I'm going to try and uh watch this while the guys go on about it. But this is the animated feature by uh Phil Tippett called Mad God. I'll let you start. You worked with the man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for me, one of my biggest career highlights was working for Phil Tippett um, when Empire Strikes Back came out. That Adat Walker sequence was one of the main reasons I got into animation. It was that and Roger Rabbit. There's like those two things made me want to pursue animation and film. So when the opportunity came up to work for Tippett, on Hellboy. Um, that was definitely a career highlight for me. So years back, I forget the exact year, but he did the Kickstarter for Mad God. And so this was a personal project for him. And a bunch of friends that I had from the studio were working on it. So anyways, it excited me that you know Phil was able to do a passion project again with stop motion animation. And again, you know, because he was an animation idol of mine, definitely backed it and it was a fairly short thing but now to see that this i guess extended version is coming out and it's getting completed like i'm getting excited about that like what do you think trev i when i saw this trailer pop up i was like oh what's this and then it said you know this is phil tippett's bad guy i'm like oh even more excited because yeah, yeah i Again, I was in the same boat as Mike. I when I saw the Walker scene, um, way way back, what eighty one, I remember sitting in the theater and just like, that is so awesome. And I just I wanted to know how it was done. And but back in eighty one, there's no internet. Um, and I remember hunting through my school library, look going through the magazine section, and I found I don't even know what magazine it was, but it was a whole thing on Phil Tippett and stop motion. And that led me down the rabbit hole, you know, Ray Harryhausen, all of that stuff. And I, 
basically absorbed that article. I, every picture I examined every way I could. And I was like, this is so awesome. And then, you know, you fast forward and Return of the Jedi and more of the stop motion stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, this stuff is amazing. This is great. This is, this is everything I want to do. And I, at one point I was like, I, I wanted to go into puppeteering. I mean, this is how much it influenced me. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a big thing. So when I saw this trailer and watching the trailer, I'm like, this brought back all of that childhood nostalgia. Because um, stop motion is not used as much as, as it was back then. I mean, you got CGI that basically does it better on or and but stop motion just there's a a particular feel because it's it's actual physical models being right you can see it and you can tell it's real like you know those textures are real the lighting's real exactly i mean there are people who are now specializing in doing cgi making it look like stop motion but they're not quite there yet you can always tell that's cgi versus that's an actual miniature and so watching this, I was just, I, I was blown away. Um, and I immediately looked up, where's this playing? Of course, not around here. And I cursed quite loudly. Um, anyways, <clears throat> um, yeah, so I've been following this. And, and when I found it, that, you, that you were working for Tippett Studio at one point, I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is great. Um, and yeah, and, and I, I watched this whole featurette and read an article that uh, Tippett just released based off of, you know, Mad God and saying that this is his swan song. This is him, you know, when he's done this, he's, he's pretty much packing it up. He's, he's said everything he wants to say, and this is his final note. And I'm watching this trailer. I'm like, this is going out on quite a big note. I mean, yeah. this is everything that any budding filmmaker dealing with even cgi want i mean there's so much atmosphere to this and in the, sh- the the few visuals we see there's so much story going on there's so much going on in the foreground the middle ground the background this is like it's a master class in in stop motion in animation in general and storytelling and i can't yeah. wait to see the the completed project so if you haven't seen the trailer hint hint watch it you didn't see it at all, Gavin? Did you see anything from Matt? Oh, Gun? I watched it. Yeah. No, I watched it. I was. Uh, what do you think? I was thrown back into the mid 80s. Like, just that, that wonder that I had watching Robocop and watching Ed 209 stomping around. Yeah. Uh, you know, the uh, what, what could have, what Jurassic Park could have been had, uh, uh, what's his name, Steve Williams not suddenly gone, hey, uh, Steven Spielberg, this uh, CG thing we got going on here. Want to have a look at this? So I, I don't know how true that uh, that 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 uh, anecdote about him being told that his uh, Phil Tippett being told his his uh, he was uh, job was extinct. Uh, I don't know how true that well, is. He was but still he, running the show on that. He was still the dinosaur. Yeah, he was. He was he a was... dinosaur wrangler. Yeah, yeah. and well, um, they made the armatures that would control the computer animation so it was even though it was new tech like i don't think that's even been done since then no but they the haven't fact that they the, had puppets the of the dinosaurs to animate the cg models yeah well they, they, they also they still use the a lot of models too for the actual dinosaurs like like full-size yeah. maquettes mm-hmm. oh yeah was it only mm-hmm. like four or five minutes in jurassic park was yeah cg but they used well, the t-rex the, the, the full-size t-rex was a good portion of their budget mm-hmm. um but yeah, it was, I, I mean, I, we had, 
when I was in, in computer animation at Sheridan, uh, we had both Steve Williams came, came up and, and gave this great talk. Um, and then, oh, I'm trying to think. There was someone from Phil Tippett Studio came up and brought the, the T-Rex armature, the, 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 the monkey, um, and showed how they, because we had the parts of a monkey in, in the, 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 the 3D Studio Lab. No one ever used it because um, it was a pain in the ass to build and even harder to get it to interface with Soft Dimash at the time. So they brought up the T-Rex one and they showed how they, how they used it. Um, and it was, for the most part, it was used to generate all the keyframes because they could pose it to exactly where they needed it to rather than sitting there on the computer and with a mouse and like a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. It, and he, I just remember the guy who came up, he said, Phil could look at the armature and go, that's wrong. The, the spine needs to be changed here, here, and here, the tail here, the head here, the arm here. And they'd be like, well, yeah, that's, that's it 100%. Um, but he said, it was both Steve Williams and this guy said, it was Tippett that said, when he watched the, the, the CG, you know, the, 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 the demo stuff, he's like, my job's extinct. Mm. Um, and he thought he was, he was ready to step out of the project entirely. And then they were like, uh, we kind of need your expertise because this yeah. took us the better part of a year to just get the T-Rex to walk. Um, so we need someone who knows how to do this stuff. And as a side note, um, now this is coming from Steve Williams. The original, the the official story is Dennis Murin had Steve Williams and his crew at ILM doing the the dinosaur, like doing the T Rex stuff off to off on the side, off the books. According to Steve Williams, Murin was no part of that project at all. After they broke into the meeting and showed the CG. That's when Muren stepped on and said, oh, yeah, I've been spearheading these guys. He had nothing to do with it, but he was mm. quick, quick to take the credit for it. The second Spielberg was like, I'm excited about this. Muren stepped up and said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been you know, working with these guys. And it's funny, you know, Steve Williams at, at, at Sheridan, he's like, we were the guys running around in the basement of ILM with tensiometers strapped to our legs to figure out the forces involved for an animal that big to walk. This guy was nowhere to be found. We weren't paid for all this stuff. We did this on our own time, which little time we had. But he was, you know, Muren was the first one to run up to the stage when, when it got an Oscar for special effects. So, yeah. It's going to move on to the next one, which is uh, Army of Thieves, which is uh, the prequel to the Army of the Dead uh, by uh, Zack Schneider. Now, in this particular version, he's actually, as far as I know, he's only producing this movie and it is completed, but Netflix is listening at, at best is coming soon. And uh, so it follows a couple of the characters that we were introduced to in uh, the, uh, the original movie, Army of the Dead. And uh, so what do you guys uh, think about this particular thing? Now, I know it, it does basically as if I remember correctly, takes place at the actual start of the outbreak, if I'm not correct, if I'm not uh, mistaken, correct? In the trailer? Is it the start of the outbreak? I don't, I don't I think, really think it's... I, I know there's like news reports while the uh, safe cracker is uh, trying to figure somehow. He's actually seen like news reports of the actual zombie should apocalypse we, starting. Should we pause the recording here so the other two can watch it? That's, uh, let's do that then. If I can bring back the meeting and I will pause that for now. See you guys in a second. Trevor rents her gold. Hey, we're recording. Trevor, you got to right. start your rent again. All right. So when this first popped up on my YouTube feed, um, I was like, oh, God, 
is is Zack Snyder just you know milking this? Um, and he is, of course, he is. Um, just because the the are the the uh, what's his face uh, Ludwig Dieter, the safecracker from Arm Army of the Dead, was such an interesting character. Um, that yeah, I could see why you'd want to push ahead with this. And this is not directed by Zack Snyder. So this might actually be a good film. Um, but <laughs> I know it's, I'm going to get a lot of hate for that one. But honestly, the man's track record is not impressing me. Um, so Martha. I kind of like the idea. What's that? Martha. Oh, God. Among other things. Yeah. Um, so this one looks kind of interesting. And I, I like the safe cracker character in, in Army of the Dead. So this is, yeah, I think this is, this is right at the, at the initial outbreak. Um, hopefully someone has, has included a five-year-old on the writing staff to point out the plot holes of like, can we carry this much weight? Um, can the escape vehicle carry this much weight? Is there room for enough people in the escape vehicle and all this stuff we're stealing? You know, minor plot holes. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Thank God it's coming out on Netflix because I definitely would not be paying to go see it in the theater. Um, anyone else? Yeah, and the, the only thing that we have is it's being released in fall. So, I mean, it's already completed. It's, uh, again, it is following the most interesting character from the original series. There's a good chance that we might be able to see a follow-up to some of the other characters. Like we might have a prequel of the Dave Batista because Batista has talked about how he would like to work with uh, Zack Snyder again after his experiences with uh, uh, Army of uh, Darkness. Uh, we might even get a Nick, Nick Natero uh, prequel story because her character was actually kind of neat seeing she actually wasn't originally in the movie to begin with. Getting a prequel movie of her character would be kind of neat. So um but it's just uh, something that, again, to look forward to on Netflix for Halloween, I guess. I mean, Ish. looks like Maybe. is where it's going to go. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so after that, we uh, now have a uh, yet another uh, Shang-Chi trailer that we can talk about where we're given, again, a little more information. We see a little more footage. Uh, we now actually see Shang-Chi himself getting into that... Uh, uh, Mortal Kombat uh, situation. Uh, we got a, a little more footage. We got some repeat footage, but we got some more spectacular looking fight sequences, which looks kind of neat. We have some more uh, character interaction, which is kind of cool to see. It's nice to see that everything seems to be come together cohesively, which is kind of neat because I think Marvel is just going, hey, guess what's coming out next? Shang-Chi, don't worry about what's coming out after that. Don't worry about the Eternals and Sony will eventually get to Spider-Man and all that. So, but here's Shang-Chi, it's coming right next. Um, one of the funny things is I showed the trailer to my five-year-old daughter and the opening sequence has um, Shang-Chi's friend who is portrayed by Aquafina. And she says, what happens to your, sh what happened to your shirt? That's the opening line of the trailer. My daughter goes, hey, isn't that um, the, the, the dragon from uh, Rhea and the last dragon, right? My daughter instantly picked up Aquafina's voice from the cartoon as this main character and all that, because she delivers it the same as she normally does. And it's all like, mm -hmm. so that was kind of neat to, for her to instantly like, hey, I know that voice. <laughs> so her connection to the movie is a made-up character for this movie because I don't know if Shang if her character actually does really exist in the comic 
to begin with kind of hard to tell because this is a whole reinvention of the Shang-Chi character from what it used to be in the early days of Marvel when they had it as an actual printed uh, thing. But uh, what did you guys think of this uh, another version of, uh, and what, what do you guys think of this like Marvel deciding, hey, let's throw everything. Cause if you go on YouTube, there are featurettes as well. Uh, there's like two, three minute featurettes um, progressing towards the actual release of the movie like i'm i'm personally avoiding the featurettes because i want to i want some of the movie to surprise me i don't want to be able to through the featurettes just kind of piece the entire movie together go well i watched it (laughs) um i like the fact that they showed a little bit of the bus fight um and but not so much that i know exactly how it ends up um i'm still you know excited to see this movie um that's again that's why i'm avoiding the featurette so i have something to to look forward to um yeah that's my take on it and for myself to be honest i didn't even see this new trailer although as the trailers have been getting released the first one i was like i'm not too sure about this one second one i was like oh no this looks pretty good and as it keeps continuing i'm getting more and more hyped for the film so the longer things go, the more excited I am for it. I was saying that uh, it feels like it's a, it's a new direction for, for Marvel in terms of the uh, uh, encompassing new characters. It's uh, because there isn't a whole lot that the general Marvel fandom, like the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the general public knows about Shang-Chi. They can kind of go in any direction they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right. nobody's gonna nobody's gonna say no no that's wrong that's wrong because I mean let's let's be honest most of where where Shang Chi came from was from like you know like the early days of Marvel and well there's yeah. a lot of trappings on there that could be uh, if done wrong could be considered very offensive in some ways mm-hmm. so I, I'm I'm very happy to see that they're kind of just just grabbing the source material and just making it into something uh, for, for the modern day uh, Marvel fan. Uh, it kind and, of falls into the same ballpark as Guardians of the Galaxy. Where it's exactly. like a very seedless team. So it's kind of like, we can do whatever we want with this. So let's kind of reinvent it and bring it up and make it a gigantic blockbuster. It seems like they're doing that with this. Well, exactly. Like Marvel has Marvel has managed to do uh like just work with properties that by no rates should appeal to the average moviegoer but i mean they basically said oh look here's a here's a talking tree and a raccoon with guns you're gonna love this and everyone's like yes yes we will the uh uh, my facebook reminded me uh, a couple of days ago that uh, guardians of the galaxy had released uh, like i think four years ago five years ago something like that the first one and it was just like, oh man, this is kind of giving me the same vibe here. Uh, just uh, my uh, my ex at the time looked at me when Guardians of the Galaxy trailer started playing, and went like, "This looks like the stupidest thing I've ever seen." And I'm like, "Going, oh, no way, man. Yeah. No, no, no. This is going to be awesome." Next few trailers come out, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm actually starting to find this interesting." And sure enough, bam! It's one of the one of the one of my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. So I feel like uh, Shang Chi could be could be along those lines. 
I think from there, we're going on to the next trailer, which is What If, which dropped three days ago, their newest trailer. Um, we'll let Mike start with this one. Did you see it, Mike? I didn't see it. Ah. To you, Gavin. <laughs> yes. There's a shot in the dark. I'm up in the um, Canadian wilderness. You have internet? I do. Yeah. Right under that broad, deer and broadband in 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 the in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You just communicate through the mosquitoes. Exactly. It's it's like a, a wireless internet. Um, do you want me to take the lead on this, Gavin? Or do you want to take it? Go right ahead. All <laughs> right. So this one uh, is a little bit more in depth. Um, it starts with the creation of Captain Carter as opposed to Captain America. Um, so we see a little bit of where she comes from. This is all, you know, this whole show is starting August 11th, um, which can't get here fast enough. Um, as we've said in previous podcasts, What If is probably one of my favorite comic book series from Marvel. I own the whole run. Um, and yeah, they do a couple of like the transitions. We see, we see for the first time. How, you know, a little bit of Killmonger and Tony Stark. In essence, Killmonger is replacing Rhodey um, in this dynamic relationship. So it'll be interesting to see. And, we, you know, we see that, that Killmonger is heavily decorated. He's in a uniform. He's got like a chest full of metal. Uh, or, and, and so we, we get to see, you know, we're like, oh, well, then how, how is Killmonger going to replace Rhodey? We see a little bit more of the Marvel zombies. Uh, we see Bucky fighting zombified Cap which again, very interested in seeing. We see a little bit more of, of T'Challa as Star-Lord. Um, yeah, this is just, I am, I am super thrilled to, to see this. Every time that one of these What If trailers come out, unlike other stuff where I'm like, no, no, I don't want to watch the trailer. This I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm watching this trailer. I am 100% watching this trailer. Um, so yeah, it's, and it's a very short one. Like this, this trailer is what, uh, not even 30 seconds long, the, the the new material they had for trailer three. So they're not giving a whole lot away, but they're giving just enough to kind of like get the fish hook right in my mouth and and drag me right to August 11th. Um, I will probably be seeing this when everyone's asleep. That That's going to be my prediction. And probably... Four times already. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be a case of by the time the kids wake up, I'll be on probably on the third viewing. Um, I'm not lying. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like when they announced that they were doing what if I was like, someone has been secretly reading my mind and thank you for that. So are we going to get a reaction video, Trevor? Um, if you're going to be up at midnight, first one to watch it, like you might as well just I, I, spam I us with the reaction right away. The whole reaction is just going to be me like this the whole time. Okay. Eyes wide open, so I miss nothing. Not saying a word because I don't want to go over top of the the audio. Yeah, just release that animated GIF. That'll be fine. Yeah, just, I'll just, just watch could, that with it, your face. It could just be It'll a be still great. image because I won't even blink for thirty minutes. Let's speak. Now, have we actually found out if it's going to be like episodic, like weekly? It is episodic. Is, it is episodic. So it is they're not going to give us like a couple of episodes in the first drop and then one I, after. I, or I, I, yeah, I hope so, but we yeah. don't know. Okay, so we might be stuck with, well, I mean, not that we're going to be stuck with it, but we're going to have to deal with... I know I'll be watching some of these episodes at Myrtle Beach, so that happens. There you go. That's us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but again, like Trevor's already said, it looks like uh, it's what we've grown up reading in the comic book, just now animated, and it looks like it's going to be so much fun. Um, 
so yeah so that basically uh, wraps up our whole entire uh, unless what, anyone else wants note. to say something else the first season of what if is 10 episodes it's going to be concluding as of october 13th but they've already said that the second season 10 episode is already in development nice so before they even get the first first episode there they already know like this is going to be this is going to be a hit so let's get the second season rolling so all right that's always good to know so uh well that's not so bad then if it's coming out in august and so we get three months of this which is uh, kind of cool well it's going over the three month period and all that so yeah so excellent and it's officially um, part of canon for uh, yes. phase four yes just because of the multi-universe of madness mm-hmm. so, thank you whatever Wanda. they Whatever that, whatever sticks, like whatever people are drawn to, I'm sure they'll probably bring it back in uh, some live action form or not. Or not. Now, did you, Troy? I saw that you you kind of re- reacted to that. Someone had figured out. Um, let's see. At the same moment that Wanda Maximoff, yes, aka yeah. Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Olsen, became yeah. the true Scarlet Witch. Um, he who remains, aka Kang, Jonathan Mayers, says this to the two Loki variants: "We have just crossed the threshold." Most of these events happen exactly at 27 minutes and 55 seconds in the respective episodes. Seconds later, this happens again because it's just as Agatha hits the ground in WandaVision at 2814, he who remains drops something on his desk. So someone has said the synchronicity is so precise, it's hard to imagine that this was just a coincidence. Yeah, this is actually the second confirmation of this. I had heard something earlier in the week on one of the podcasts that I'd listened to. It was just a a mumbled through message. I didn't quite catch what it meant, but when I saw that this was posted, I'm like, Oh, so that's what they were talking about. Oh my God. That's yeah. so and freaking amazing. If, if they, if they didn't plan this, that's just some eerie ass editing. Yeah. That's if they did just, plan this. Yeah. Kudos it's beautiful to editing. Awesome. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's seamless storytelling is what it is. Yeah. And these guys seem smart enough to do something like that. The people that were writing Loki, Mm-hmm. They seem like the kind of writers that are planning a couple steps ahead yeah, and keeping fans on the edge of the seat mm-hmm. and knowing that something like this could happen and could work and someone could decipher it. Yeah. Like, who knows if that's what happened or not, but it, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it on purpose. I'm excited to see it. I really am. Yeah. Yeah. What if definitely. Yeah. And that's uh, the 11th of August. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got like two weeks and all that, and that's that's so it. So we got Suicide Squad this Friday. Yep. And then the following Wednesday, what if? There you go. Yay. Um, and then something's coming out that Friday as well. I can't remember. There was like three weekends of. It's, yeah, something's coming out. Something I, I only know. Yeah. My my yeah. daughter's got a black belt exam. We're leaving for Myrtle Beach around there, so there you go. We'll see. All right. Okay. Um, so uh, that brings us to the end of uh, our coming attractions, but uh, we actually have a couple of uh, news articles that uh, also dropped on our way along the same lines as our comic book uh, storylines that oh, we follow. Oh, Free Guy comes out. Free Guy, that's it. Free Guy comes out that that Friday. So there's going to be another fun one to, I mean, Ryan Reynolds. Also, again, it's a delayed from COVID movie, like a lot of these movies that are coming out right now, delayed yeah. from COVID sort of thing. But uh, it'll be fun to finally see how much of the movie isn't in the trailers so yeah (laughs) but uh so like i said there was a couple of news articles that actually dropped uh for us and uh one is how uh daredevil is going to be included or 
intertwine into phase four. And now if I remember what I've read correctly, it's not 100% sure how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's going to be Charlie it's Cox. That, it's not going to be Daredevil. It's Charlie Cox as yes. Matthew Murdoch. Yeah, so they're going to be introducing Matthew Murdoch, not the actual Daredevil character himself. So yes, so we got Charlie Cox is going to be showing up in phase four somewhere we're not still again we're not sure where we're not sure when but we i'm calling it she hulk 100 percent. so Ooh, we're gonna have to, that would be a good one that would be actually that is a, that is a really based in new york one. yeah face them in the courts yeah based in new york yeah you you can't have a lawyer-based show without the mo one of the most prominent lawyers sitting across from jennifer walters nice call that's a, that's a good one. That's that's a good one. I mean, everyone is hoping that it's going to be Spider-Man. I mean, um, if it's Spider-Man, it'll probably be defending Peter. Someone suing Peter Parker. Yeah. And then he's you know he's Charlie Cox will be his lawyer, and then they'll have Garfield or McGuire swing by and it's like, well, I can't be Spider-Man because there he goes, and we you know case dismissed sort of thing. Probably just a quick I still little... think there's an opportunity there with his secret identity being thrown out there. And J. Jonah Jameson coming after him. It's like, yeah. oh, I need a defense lawyer. There's an opportunity and for that. I'm, I'm hoping that's what they do. But yeah, if, if they wait until She-Hulk, I'm good with that too. I really am. I, I think that'd be awesome to see Matthew Murdoch facing Jennifer Walters in the courtroom. You know, it'd be amazing if it started off that it's foggy going up against Jennifer. And then at the last second, oh, my associate is here. And then... Matt comes in at the last minute. That actually, yeah, no, I like work. that. Or, or even have like the, the the court like someone saying, um, the you know counsel for the defense, uh, Foggy Nelson isn't available, but his associate will be taking his place, and then have Charlie Cox coming through the door and, and marching and sitting. That I, I I think at that point my jaw would hit the floor and fall off my face. So yeah, yeah. And if you guys heard about the rumors that Kingpin might be joining as well. Yeah, I've heard, yeah, yeah I've heard that apparently too, Vincent right? D'Onofrio has signed on yes. to return to the role of Kingpin, which is fantastic. What was that? Get him in She-Hulk. That would be awesome. Yeah, no, she has to tackle him both as a lawyer and as a hero. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. because we we again we still don't know 100 percent sure what's going to happen with She-Hulk. Whether it's going to be a procedural, it's going to have to be superhero based because she's going to have to Hulk out at some point. There's no reason it's, for uh, them. it's been described as a legal comedy. Yeah, which is like, She-Hulk so is a lighthearted comic. She-Hulk, yeah, She-Hulk is a lighthearted comic book. It is like Boston Legal with a big green lawyer. <laughs> Exactly. Well, at one point when uh, female lawyer. <laughs> well, <laughs> at one point when um, John Byrne was doing She-Hulk, uh, She-Hulk was breaking down the fourth wall well before Deadpool was. Oh yeah. She yeah. talked to. She actually talked to the artist. She would actually have conversations with her artist during yeah. the panels of the thing. So. If it is going to be that way, I hope they do I, a yeah, fourth wall breaking of the character because no, that's I, one I of my like favorite things one, about She-Hulk. That one funny storyline where um, someone, she, was it Jennifer Walters wanted to, to get a tan, but she was afraid to do it. So she, she hulked out and, and basically was, was sunbathing nude and someone took pictures. And then the photographer was like, I got pictures of She-Hulk in the nude. Gave it to the, gave them yep. to the newspaper and they, color corrected it 
not realizing that she's supposed to be green. Uh, and then they're like, well, that's not her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I remember that one too. That was, was that like a one-off story or was it actually in the middle of It something? was part of the, the yeah, She-Hulk storyline. She and yeah, she was yeah, so yeah. she was like, oh God. And then they're like, oh, well, that's not her. Yeah, because because they be didn't anybody. tell the they didn't tell the person developing the photos, and they thought it was a color correction, so they altered. Yeah, it. So, so they she color just looked like they, a, they didn't get the face; they got her most of her body sort of thing. Yeah. they're like, "Ah, oh, we got pictures of She Hulk naked." That's and, right. I completely yeah, and, forgot and about they that. Color corrected the negatives. Yeah, not not the prints, the negatives, and it was just like, "Well, yep, that's ruined," because they can't yeah. color correct it back. So everyone's going like, "Oh, you're faking it now." Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that one. That was actually pretty good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of cool. Uh, one of the I other think stories... that scene will be in the Marvel series, the Disney Plus. No, it's think so. Oh. If it was on, if it was on Amazon or HBO, probably on Disney. Probably not. No, probably, probably not. not Disney. No. They're they're no. they're pretty good about sanitizing everything. Star maybe, but not Disney, <laughs> not yeah. Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other story that we got is uh, we have some fallout from uh, Black Widow, and it turns out that Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney for uh, basically the idea is is uh, the deal that she got when she signed on for this movie. She was going to be paid twenty million dollars for the role, and then was getting a proportion of the back end of the movie, which mm -hmm. if it was theatrically released pre-COVID, we're looking at a huge amount of money that Scarlett Johansson was getting. Now, mm -hmm. things have come through and unfortunately got released. And what happened is uh, it was released both theatrically and on Disney Plus, when originally there was supposed to be a window of time that it was going to be theatrically then released onto Disney Plus, but Disney Plus decided to drop it at the same time. This Hence, means that there was less money made in the uh, theatrical release, which is where Scarlett Johansson was going to get money and that uh, she wasn't seeing any of the Disney Plus money. So she is suing Disney for almost, it doesn't seem like a breach of contract, but it's along those sort of lines. Now, I yeah, know- she's, They're calling it a breach of contract. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, the thing is, is, part of this is from, stemming from the whole deal that Robert Downey Jr. had had done. Like he- wasn't really he was actually not the highest paid actor for Iron Man. Um, so when they wanted to do right. Iron Man 2, you know, he renegotiated his contract. He got the lion's share of the budget for slated for actors. Um, and then I think it was for Avengers because they had all these big names coming at once. He was like, tell you what, I won't take the lion's share of the of, of the actors' budget, but I want percentage on the back end. Exactly. And other actors have done this. Tom Hanks famously has done this many, many times. Harrison Ford has done this many, many times. So, I mean, at the time, they didn't think Avengers was going to be a billion-dollar movie. Um, but I was actually, I was looking it up and adding it together. Um, since Avengers, uh, Robert Downey Jr. has had this part of his contract. Every movie he's been in from Avengers going forward, um, he has had this, you know, percentage of the back end. He doesn't take as, as large of a salary up front, but takes percentage of back end. And it's, it's a risk. It's a gamble. You know, they, the actors have to realize this is a gamble. If the movie flops, you, you, you don't make peanuts. Like Harrison Ford has said for Cowboys and Aliens, he did not make as much money. If he had just taken the, the 20 million they had orig originally agreed to, to pay him for the movie, he would have come out ahead much further ahead than he did because Cowboys and Aliens barely broke even. Um, so it's yet it's, again, it's another a, John Favreau movie. Yeah. 
And it's, it's, it's a risk. You're just, you're, you're gambling that, you know, if you take a little bit less on the front, you're going to make it up on the back end. Um, like the couple of the Lord of Ring actors did the same thing and they, they made like tremendous bank, but Robert Downey Jr. I think I stopped counting at 300 million is what he's made on the back end of all these. films. So I think in this case, Scarlett Johansson said, well, you know, I'm getting my own solo film. Why not? Now they paid her 20 million up front for the longest time. 20 million was the, the benchmark. If you, if, if, if a studio hired you at 20 million to do a film, you know, you've hit your A-list, you've hit that benchmark. Um, Jim Carrey famously had a $20 million check he had written to himself that he had written before he even really became a big actor, or even did in Living Color. And that he said one day he's going to star in a film and, and he'll be able to say, this is the check. You know, this is me getting that $20 million paycheck. But then to turn around and say, well, I'm, I'm losing about $50 million because you guys didn't release it. My, in all honesty, was this going to be a billion dollar movie? I, I, I don't think it was. I don't think Black Widow was good enough to be a billion dollar no, movie. No, it wasn't good. <laughs> so to say that, oh, well, she lost, she, she lost the potentially 50 million. That's assuming that this movie's making a billion dollars. It may, I think it was what, 343 is what it made worldwide, which is still good numbers. I mean, the budget was 200 million, which is a lot. However much they spent in marketing made three. It's probably right now running at a loss because the, the rule of thumb is whatever the budget is, you double it because that's what the marketing budget is. So it probably cost them 400 million total to make. It's pulled in 343. Maybe when it goes on video or whatnot, it'll make more. Um, but yeah, I just, when I read this lawsuit, I was just like, could we, you know, yeah. The, the, the other thing is, is this is pretty much signing that she's never going to do a Marvel film again. Because Disney will not say, you know, second you sue the house of mouse, you're, you're pretty much under black books. They're not going to say, oh, all is forgiven. Here's the money we, you say we owe, us, we owe you and come work for us again. They're, they're not going to do it. This, this is it. Yeah. So th- this to me, this is a whole lot of bridge burning. But also the fact that Disney countered uh, the uh, idea and had mentioned how they felt sorry that like for her wanting to come at them at a time of COVID to come after them and all that. And first of all, okay, first of all, Disney, get off your high horse. You're Disney. I mean, one actor. I mean, Disney through, because of, because of the COVID shutdown, they lost a ton of money through their parks, not having them running their parks. Oh no. And I will, I will totally acknowledge. I will totally acknowledge that. Yes. The fact that they've had to restructure their big money yeah i mean I movies mean, and whatnot is not it it's their theme parks their theme parks around the yeah, world that said what... their stocks are doing fine oh their stocks are doing oh, their fine. stocks like, are doing fantastic because that, that so... they've been you know yeah, like disney hurting. plus floated a lot of of disney's budget or disney's profit margin if they had not fired off disney plus especially during COVID, like just before covid and let it skyrocket like it did they would be hurting much more than they are I mean, but that's it being said, it's not like they're they're turning out their pockets and showing lint. Um, yeah. <laughs> they could they could be burning a million dollars a day and going, it's a nice bonfire, but we yeah, can exactly. uh, slice had... those beans apart. Yeah, they're not cutting the beans yeah. so that they're like paper thin. Yeah. Um that's Dave not Sim had a great quote where he said, No company will ever pay you enough to sue them successfully. Exactly. And I thought that was always a really good one liner. So when you look at this kind of situation, 
No, she's getting paid two hundred no oh, twenty million dollars. That's a lot of money, right? It is. It yeah. is. But then on the flip side, if Disney did renege the contracts and you release it digitally at the same time, give a cut of that. You know, don't just keep yeah. it at the box office. It's like, okay, we've altered the agreement, just like Darth Vader and Cloud City. But the right thing to do would be it's like, all right, count this as part of the box office. I got. I gotta say, it feels. Uh, it feels a bit uh, kind of like bad faith negotiating on Disney's part. Just like, okay, so you're gonna get a cut of the box office, right? You're happy with that, right? Okay, perfect. All right, give it the service over Gav, to Disney Plus. Yeah, but Gav, you have to realize when they wrote this contract. You have to remember this movie was like three years in development. Yeah. When they wrote this contract, COVID wasn't even in the news. It wasn't even so. When they wrote this contract, she was probably thinking this is going to be, you know, seven hundred and fifty million dollar movie. I'm going to make fifty million on the back end. They're going to pay me twenty up front. I'm looking at a seventy million dollar payday. Yeah, exactly. COVID yeah. hits. This is something that I mean that no one could have could have predicted. I agree. Disney should have said, "All right, we've put this movie off long enough. We're going to have to release it. Let's do a lat, you know, last minute, you know." Contract renegotiation, get you some more, get you some of the money you could have gotten if this had been non-COVID release. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, Disney did a dick move on that side. But to, I think what's probably going to happen is they're just going to throw some money at her. It's not going to be the 50 million that she's probably asking for, but it'll be enough to just say, all right, we're done. Because things now they've got Emma Stone saying, Well, what about Cruella? That's 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 kind of like the same deal. So yeah, it's. I think part of it is it's the faults on both sides. Faults on Disney side because they're just being greedy fucks like they usually are, and the fault is also on the actor side to say, "I was supposed to get more money," ignoring the status of the world of what's been going on. You know, to, to give you an example, MGM has been sitting on No Time to Die, the Bond film. They've been sitting on that film a year and a half. They have lost so much money having to pay back all the endorsements. And all the toy endorsements that have had been put on hold because the movie's been put on hold. So they're having to shell money out. MGM has been hemorrhaging cash left and right. Every day, No Time to Die is unreleased. They just hemorrhage more money. The point where MGM is, you know, basically they're facing bankruptcy. You know, you've got a couple of different studios, including Disney, who are sniffing at their heels thing. Can we buy part of your catalog and get you, you know, out of the red? This is because they've been sitting on this film. So in Disney's case, you've got a film that's done. It's in the can. It can only sit on the shelf for so long before they're just going to have to finally say, we have to get it out some, some way or another. They've they put off this film how many times? And then finally said, you know, screw yeah, exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Limited theater release, and we're going to release it on our streaming service. We, we have to get it out. It's, it's just costing us money to sit there. So let's yeah. at least minimize that amount of debt that it's accruing. So, yeah, I can see why Disney said, screw it, we're just releasing it. We don't care at this point. But I think it's also a dick move on their part not to, you know, say, all right, we understand the circumstances. Here's, here's some of the cash you would have made, but maybe not all of it. So that's my take. Yeah. And then when we uh, come to the next article, we got uh, something that is actually quite, um, quite, um, quite cool to actually see that uh, Amazon has got so much faith in their property of the boys that even before they've finished 
filming season three, they've actually announced that there's going to be a fourth season of The Boys. So that was actually released this week as well. So Amazon having great faith in their uh, very well-structured series, The Boys, which is a fantastic thing to see. How did you like Love Sausage? (laughs) (laughs) I knew that would be the reaction. For those who don't know, Boy season two, they they visit a uh, it's like a research facility. They're trying to give superpowers to people, and one of the inmates, from, right from the comic book, is Love Sausage, a, a man with a overly long prehensile male male genitalia. Yeah, and he attempts to strangle people with it. Yeah, that was so. so I'm watching this, <laughs> and uh, someone was up against this door with a small window in it, and all of a sudden the window breaks. And a long limb snakes <laughs> out and wraps around his neck. And I'm like, oh, I wonder who that is. And then the limb gets hit a lot and it starts to retract. And I see a foreskin. <laughs> and the only thing I could I could think of at that point was, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that character <laughs> yeah. Is, is love sausage. It's it. I didn't. I didn't, honestly didn't think they were going to have the cojones <laughs> to put him in. To the apparently series. they they had cojones. Well, they didn't I mean, show the cojones is, when they do the whole thing. Like they they peek, it's like man, and the, the one guy says that boy's packing, and I was like, is is that is that going to be love sausage? And then that scene Gavin describes, I, I was I was laughing. Again, it was one second the window breaks. I was like, they did it. They did it. Yeah. Again, I also knew about the character from the comic and all that. I'm like, there's no way they're going to do that. And there's like, I mean, no way that they're going to like, oh, they're going. Okay. Okay. They've introduced the character. Okay. I understand. That's kind of funny and whatnot. And then they use the character. Oh, they use the character. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess you, I mean, it's schrodinger's cock i mean you yeah. introduce it you definitely have to use it i mean it's and the reaction of the actor when he realizes what had been wrapped yeah 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 it was a so when, when when gavin had posted on on messenger i instantly knew what he was referring to I, you know what i didn't even think of i didn't even think of that's where he was when he saw that that's hilarious but i, I, knew, I, was, was, I knew you were in season two gav and I knew that was at some point coming up. Some so at some point, I was I was very very happy to get to the end of season two because there is a there is a lot of build up and a lot of story and stuff like that. And uh, you know, when they introduced Stormfront at the beginning of season two, I'm like, oh, she's a character with lightning powers. That's cool. That's a good. Oh wait, Stormfront is that like an alt right name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Holy shit, she's an actual bona fide zon- a, a Nazi. Yeah. So yeah. It, and the so fact when that- I saw the, the notice that Amazon had already greenlit season four, I was yeah. just like, that's that's showing a lot of faith based off of the first two seasons and what they've can see of season three as it's being finished up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking and forward to season three for sure. Oh, for Mike, sure, have yeah. you seen any of the boys? I have not, except for a couple little parts, and that's just because that's a hard family show to watch. That is true. That um, is yeah, true. no, but, yeah, it, it is. I, I can see. Yeah. It, yeah, but 
you, you know you can watch some stuff without your family. It <laughs> is hard. Although, like, Garth Ennis is one of my favorite comic book writers. And this is something when going back to Marvel and the Disney Plus and them trying to bring Deadpool into the Marvel Universe. If they are going to do something that's R-rated, I do want Punisher Max. Yeah. Because those are some of my favorite comic books ever written. I liked Punisher so, Warzone. It, yeah. I know a lot of people didn't like the film, but to me it was one of the best versions of Punisher. I mean, the Dolph Lundgren and the God knows what was the other one. Who was, who was the, Tom Jane. Yeah, Tom. I mean, they were, meh, but Warzone was Punisher being Punisher and being completely yeah. unapologetic about it. My favorite one was Daredevil season two. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, yeah. John Berthnall is, to me, he is Punisher. Like he he especially got, in that he got the pathos of of, of Frank Castle, which is yeah. you know I, when I watched that the first episode, with him, I was like, I want to see more of him. I don't I, I don't yes. give it. And so when when Punisher came, out, I was like, I'm watching this. I'm going yeah. to binge the bejesus out of this. Out of curiosity, did you guys like Punisher season two? Because I did not. Yeah, yeah, that was weaker. I. Season one to me was really strong, but you could tell mm -hmm. from all the different comic sources they were pulling that material from. Season two felt like the writers were kind of going on a limb, going, "We can come up with this stuff. It's not that hard. It is that yes. hard." That's exactly that what hard. I. That's what I was gonna say. They had a lot to, that they pulled from for season one. They had a good. Oh, okay, cool. Now we know what we're doing. We can do our own sort of thing, and yeah, it definitely, and like it definitely did suffer part of the actual. And I love the same thing as Game of Thrones. You know when they. Yeah. veered off the books because they they had nothing to follow you could tell it's like hey we you can finish this mm. yeah you could definitely tell they were like we're winging it we're just winging it at this point yeah all right so that being said we've got a couple of uh things coming up uh uh this week as uh everyone might know that uh this friday is um uh uh the Suicide Squad Suicide is squad. being released. The Suicide Squad is being. Thank James you for the assist, Gavin. I was I was trying to come up with Very James Gunn's. I was trying to come up with James Gunn's name, but I had Zach there, and I'm like, no, it's not Zach Snyder. It's oh no, and then the stumble. And Knights Guns. Come out. Yes. Stumble no, it's exactly. Zachary. So James Gunn's releases his version of the Suicide Squad this uh, this Friday, and uh, we have a fantastic. Uh, cast of uh, 16 characters potentially everyone's going to die i mean it's in part of the actual um, marketing do not get attached to anyone i mean there's a chance my deadpool that... is almost all red yeah so i'm just what... <laughs> smearing the whole thing with red yeah so what we've done amongst ourselves is we've printed up a card that has all 16 members of the suicide squad and we are xing out who we believe is going to not make it through this movie um for whatever reason we're not coming up with the reasons or anything like that we're just going to x off who's uh who is actually going to die i believe i have are we going to number them just for fun is anyone going to do that? that i was going to say that's going to be the extra bonus if you want to number them in the order that you think they're going to die which makes the difficulty a little more impressive uh, there's also a chance that like a vehicle could be taken out with everybody like like five people could be killed in one shot so i mean I don't know if like 
you want to say like this person, then that person, then these three people are going to die at all once. So we're just going to put whatever order, like first, second, third, fourth, third, fourth, and fifth might go all at once. So anyways, (laughs) but uh, yeah. So um, if you want to check out our different social medias, we've actually uh, listed a blank of, of, a copy of that it's on our facebook it's going to be on our twitter it's going to be on our instagram so you can go to any of those and you can download the image yourself if you want to reload it back up onto whatever you pulled it off and we'll uh we'll compare basically you have until friday to figure that out because if not it's cheating if you don't and if you're one of those people that have already seen the movie and given out a review and you did it and you get perfect we're not gonna we're gonna let that gonna fly yeah exactly exactly (laughs) Um, but the other thing about it is it's kind of neat because I have, while I haven't read any reviews, I haven't seen anything that says a negative connotation in its heading, which is kind of neat. Yeah. I'm, I'm avoiding all the reviews because I just, I figure it's Friday. I can wait that long. Exactly. I'm not going to look at any, any YouTube things talking. Oh, well, here's, no, I'm just going to wait. Just wait and see. Um, I have more than a 60% kill rate on my, my card. So Yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm around 60 as well. So I'm definitely past the halfway point. That's for sure. But yeah, I've, I think I have 10 of 16 buying it. So I think I might have eight. I'd have to check it like again, the, but eight or nine the actual comic where they, you know, there's not a, there's not a single suicide squad mission where everyone comes home. No, no. I mean, it's kind of their thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what we might also want to talk about now is uh, one of uh, the four of us had actually finished watching all the episodes of Masters of the Universe uh, Revelations, and that would be Mr. Pointing at himself, Mr. Michael. Well, no, you've already seen them. Now you just confused everything. Yeah, you're confused. Yeah, you're just making everything off the whole show. I've seen all five of them, too, if you want to go that way. I'm out of here. (laughs) So we're just saying, so Mike has finally caught up with the rest of us. Yes, exactly. And Michael has uh, some things to say about his uh, watch of Kevin Smith's Netflix Masters of the Universe. Go ahead, Michael. Take the floor. It's yours. All right. Well... I was hoping that He-Man wouldn't get sidelined right at the start of the show and come back right at the end. That's my biggest complaint. It's like having a Batman movie without Batman in it. You know, a Spider-Man movie, but you never see Spider-Man. Sometimes you can pull off things like that if you have, you know, a hundred series or a hundred episodes in a series. You can, if it's say like Batman animated series, you can pull off an episode where it's about somebody else. However, we have five episodes and we finally get to see He-Man again and he's basically wiped out and sidelined the very first episode. Now, I did love the first episode. I, I thought that was a great one. There's big battles. It was epic. But then we go, was it three episodes really before we see him again? Then he shows up at the end. Erica walked in during episode five. It's like, who's the Barbie Ken? It's "It's Prince Adam. (laughs) It's He-Man. But even the last episode is Barbie Ken. It's not He-Man. And then he gets stabbed at the end. And now I know some people online are saying, oh, you killed He-Man twice. It's like, okay, Kevin Smith's not stupid enough to kill He-Man. However, he did sideline him for the entire episode. 
or I mean in the entire series. And I think that was a mistake because I wanted to see He-Man. I wanted to see more Skeletor. It's like, come on, you got Mark Hamill doing Skeletor. Like, make him in every single episode because that's what gets me excited. But instead, we got Buffy the Vampire Slayer talking in a high pitch with her buddy who's not even, I think, an action figure. Isn't that a made-up character? She's made up for the series, yes. But she does now have a figure of her, but that's beside the point. But, right, it's, you know, you're... The whole idea was it's supposed to continue on the series where it left off, but it sidelined all the fun stuff that I wanted to see, except for episode four. Oracle was a beast, and I loved that episode. Okay, good. Okay, so I was I was hoping week, I was hoping you'd get that way. Okay. Last week when I was asking which was your guys' favorite episode, you use or yeah, you guys all said number four was really good, and we watched that. Not only myself, but my entire family. All the boys were like, Orko's awesome. It's like, I know, right? He was a big <laughs> dork back in the old days, but look at him. He's just kicking butt. So I did really like that episode. But because there's a second season, I hope that we get more of what it's supposed to be. Like, make it more centric to the main characters. Don't worry about all these secondary things. And I think they could land the ending of the second season. Uh, Kevin Smith uh, said that the second part, so it's not second season, it's literally part two of when the first okay. season, I think. Uh, he said that there's going to be a lot more He-Man in the, in the, in the, in the last part of the, of the, of the uh, first season, which All right. I think if they can, uh, like, I already really liked how they portray Prince Adam. Like mm-hmm. they made him a scrawny kid, but he had he 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 was he man at heart. Yeah. Like and that that whole comment where the uh, you know the champions of Eternia are all saying like uh, yeah he's the only one who uh, who chose to remain in this form. It's like right, huh? So this is how he sees himself, and I thought that was brilliant. And if they can keep this, yeah. the, uh, I did the like level... that line. For the record, I did like that. That's a good call, Gavin. Okay, they and can keep the same level of of, uh, of characterization, like uh, character development. Uh, I think we're gonna. I think it's gonna be like even even better in the for the for the second half. And also, if you listen to um, Kevin Smith's podcast uh, this past week, um, where he had on the voice actor who did Orko, um, Kevin Smith let it slip that while there is there's going to be netflix is not only working on a computer generated version of a he-man uh animated series which is going to be completely separate from this but that he actually let it slip that there is going to be a second full season of this that's going to come out later after that and that the second part of the first season is going to be coming out at a later date that might be the beginning of 2022 so we might have a while to wait for the second part of Revelations. And then we do have a second season. It's just on one little thing that Kevin Smith just let slip. And then he tried to move on for his conversation. But you know what? There's a rewind button on podcasts now. So you can yeah. listen back to what he said. So, so no, we do I... have more of this. Also, the other thing I also want to point out is this was not He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. This series is Masters of the Universe. So there really was on, no. There, I, I understand. I understand. 
I understand too. I had the same conversation with someone who's a huge He-Man fan. He was like, it was He-Man and Master Universe. I'm like, no, look at the title. It's Masters of the Universe. Just like the show Gotham is not all about Batman. It's about all the characters of Gotham. This was Masters of the Universe. Now, if it was tagged as He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, I'd be like, I'm pissed because I want to go see him you know, on, on the bookends. But this was Masters of the and Universe. And the small like, little flashbacks in each episode. Yeah, there's, yeah. I mean, I, they, it felt like they kept giving you a taste of Mark Hamill in each episode yep. is through a flashback. Yeah. And I kept thinking like, I, 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 it's not I enough. More. Yeah, Please, it's like, sir. It's like they're, Please, they're sir, like, may I have some your more. thin little wafer thin mint. And I'm like, no, no, I, I, I want more. So that when he showed up in, 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 in the fifth episode, I was like, finally, he's back. Um, and, and then that last with sequence with him as you know the god Skeletor. I'm looking forward to the part two because I want to see how do they deal with God Skeletor. Um, we don't know. And Adam's not dead. He's just been hit through the liver. Um, so, you know, eh, it's a tourney. If they got magic again, a couple of spells, he'll be good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and I like the fact that they kept glossing over the fact that, you know, Tila's mom is the sorceress. You know, twice, 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 Evelyn, yeah. yeah, you know, kibosh that whole thing and you're just like is she gonna do it a third time maybe um so that's that's i mean part of the reason why i like the series is it didn't give me what i expected it didn't give me what that little fanboy inside that you know the kid who played the he-man action figures it gave me a twist on it It gave me a you know that slight detour it got me there you know it just it wasn't the road that i expected um which it's in some ways i kind of enjoy not getting exactly what I expected because if I'm getting exactly what I expect, then there's no real entertainment value for me. It's like, yeah, I get to see what I wanted, but yeah, you know, but would I, you really not want to see He-Man and Skeletor fight in every single episode? Not in every, I mean, we saw that too much in filmation. It was the same stupid punch and he, and oh, Skeletor, rah, 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 rah. I mean, it won't be the same it, stupid punch. Every single episode is a different punch. No, okay. he'd have that punch right towards the screen every goddamn episode. Or he'd do that stupid kick that just, ugh, yeah. Um, yeah, I got so tired of seeing that. But I watched it every day at 7.30 in the morning on my before school started. So, um, yeah. No, I so, would enjoy that more than what I got. Um, so, Kevin, yeah, so Smith, Kevin Smith also let it drop that in the, I don't know if it was in one of the commentaries or it was on his podcast. Actually, if you guys want to see something that's really interesting on YouTube, go to Kevin Smith's uh, YouTube channel. And he actually has a watch along commentaries on YouTube that sync up to the actual episodes. Kevin Smith sits down with each of the different directors of the first five episodes and they talk about the episode while it's playing. It is so good. Um, that sounds I just don't have time. The that. first episode I, is I, just yeah. The first I wish episode I had is just, time for that, but yeah. I don't have time for that right now. The first episode is just Kevin Smith sitting there by himself, and it's kind of cool because he's talking to camera and all that sort of thing. But um, he also somewhere in there let it slip that in the sixth episode there's a five-minute fight sequence, like a non-stop five-minute fight sequence. So I'm always fighting. He man. I can't remember if he said, uh, it, you know what? Let's say it's Skeletor and He-Man fight for five minutes. Let's just say that so right now. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not putting any money on it, but that's what I'm saying. So now, wasn't there oh, right. an episode of He-Man where Orko said because he was an attorney, his magic was screwy, but in his home dimension, his magic worked fine. Uh, that sounds vaguely familiar, but I, I remember seeing that something like it because at one point they visited his home dimension and, and he's like he's the master magician. 
you know, his magic is always doing exactly. In attorney, it always a little screwy. So for me, episode four, seeing Orko, you know, pull out the big guns was mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here watching. I'm just like, man, Orko's yeah. got some chops to him. Yeah, that was yeah, the that most was emotionally satisfying episode too out of the whole. Uh, fun yeah, sidebar with Orko uh, is that his uh, voice actor uh, Griffin Newman Newman plays uh, uh, plays Arthur from the, the Amazon Tick series. Yeah, yeah, it's it was it was nice finding out you know Orko's true name and and you know all the pressures that he felt. They they uh, they really used that episode well to kind of round out Evelyn and Orko at the same time. And give Orko a, a satisfying send off. Yeah. But yes, honest, I agree with you. I agree with you, Mike. The send off, I was ticked off. I agree with you, Mike. Like he's awesome. There needed okay. to be more Skeletor. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care about more He Man. I wanted more Skeletor. <laughs> you know, I think I wanted uh, more Stinkor. I, I really enjoyed that they still g- gave Skeletor, you know, the, some of those little buffoon moments. Mm-hmm. Like he he'd get he get he'd go walk up and grab something and he'd get flung back you know doing that. That was great. All right, so that's going to bring us to round thirteen of our uh, box office showdown. This again is something where we go to the website Box Office Mojo and we take the top one hundred films and we take all the comic book movies that are in that top one hundred and we put them in an elimination style bracket uh, and uh, we. Uh, that put the movies up against each other. And like I said, we are on uh, round 13 and that's going to bring us against some heavy hitters. Cause again, round 13, we have the number one position, which on the whole entire list has actually got a, a number two position. And that's 2019's The Avengers Endgame, which at uh, its grand total uh, of its box office in pull for the whole entire world is 2 billion. Seven hundred and ninety-seven million five hundred and one thousand three hundred and twenty-eight dollars, and the movie it's, and it's uh, going up against the number four position, which actually is only in number eleven, and that is 2015's The Avengers: Age of Ultron, which brought in a total of one billion four hundred and two million dollars eight hundred and nine thousand and five hundred and forty dollars. So we've already discussed these movies in length at times, uh, quite long lengths and all that. But just to give a quick little uh, rundown, uh, the Avengers Endgame after the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, which was released the previous year, uh, the universe is in ruins. With the help of the remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to reverse Thanos' actions and restore balance to the universe. So uh, basically, again, it's another Russo movies, uh, Russo brothers um, directing uh, the same Marcus and McFeely uh, writers. And again, it's basically the whole entire Mar- MCU uh, involved in this uh, movie. And uh, again, it was an epic end to a phase. Or wait, did we figure was homecoming far from home was uh was far from home was the last movie of the so yes so the penultimate movie to the end of a phase so the end of the the infinity gauntlet saga that we had been experiencing for low these 11 years prior so um 
Avengers Endgame. What are your thoughts about this? Just quick little synopsis because you don't really need to, we don't, again, we can rehash this. We can be here for another three hours talking about how we love this movie. There's a reason why it's made it this far is because there is so much to like and so little not to like. Yeah, exactly. So. Don't do it, Trevor. Don't do it, Trevor. Don't, don't. We need you, Trevor. We can deal without Kevin. We, oh, you missed. (laughs) What? I can't hear you. (laughs) <laughs> Goodbye, Gavin. So I'm gonna start with um, that incredible Hulk music. Oh, that's good. Doom, 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 doom. He's just gonna go get a drink. Doom, doom, doom. Gavin, put on some pants. I'm wearing pants. Oh. You're not Bobby Hill. I don't. Short pants aren't pants. All right, so we have Avengers Endgame. And again, like I said, we're going up against another difficult one for us because, again, it's made it this far, and that's uh, basically 2015's Age of Ultron. And that is described as uh, follows. Um, When Tony Stark and Bruce Banner try to jumpstart a dormant peacemaker program called Ultron, things go horribly wrong, and it's up to Earth's mightiest heroes to stop the villainous Ultron from exacting its terrible plan now this movie is directed by josh wheaton it's also written by josh wheaton and um it stars basically the base avengers and we're also introduced to the uh, uh wanda and uh petra in this uh version of the marvel universe uh we're also given uh, life to vision in this movie as well so there's a lot of introductions done in this particular movie and we have a lot of outros in endgame so what are your thoughts by comparing the two of them together what what do you guys think because i don't think we need to go into a huge conversation about this because it's just we're just going to rehashing the same old things now i'll be quick okay Endgame. there's far 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 too many fuck yeah moments in that Okay, all right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what I was was thinking. Again, this is a visual thing and we're trying to figure out what's going on here on the screen. Um, Okay, so I enjoyed Age of Ultron. Uh, We were introduced to a bunch of uh, really cool new characters. Uh, It had a a fantastic opening. And like uh, Michael said before, it's the Avengers as the Avengers. It's the only movie where the Avengers are the Avengers. Anything prior to this and post this, uh, the first Avengers movie, they're trying to work together. They do eventually get to work together at the end, but that's the end of the movie. Like they spend the whole entire movie in fighting, figuring out who's the boss, and it's only in the last. Tony Danza's the boss. I, no, it's it's not Tony Danza. It's it's that. Besides, it's not, it was Angela. It, it's it's not Angela either. It's Mona. Mona is the boss. Okay. <laughs> Who pays the um, bills? So um, it basically the end of um, the Avengers. Again, they come together eventually, but you spend a whole entire movie them fighting. Age of Ultron is the ultimate Avengers being the ultimate Avengers, especially that opening sequence when they're working in such great. Um, orchestrated beauty between them. I mean, it's fantastically shot. The banter is there, um, especially when they decide that Captain America can finally swear and 
it's language. held against him. What? Language. 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 Exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pay for that Please one, aren't Sugador. I? Please be Sugador. Yay. <laughs> exactly. It is a very fun movie. Um, there never is any, I mean, the character of Ultron is completely different than he is in the original comic book series, which is a kind of a nice twist to be able to get a creation, which actually doesn't happen until a good third into the movie. We don't actually have Ultron being Ultron until a good part into the movie. And uh, what we, what the Avengers have to deal with is an immediate danger that escalates. I mean, Ultron escalates really quickly in this like zero tax it's their own creation exactly that's um, a big thing too yeah yeah um and it's it's just a devastation to these characters we're introduced to some cool stuff like i said we're introduced to uh scarlet witch and quicksilver we're introduced to uh vision vision is created in this movie we have and that's one thing speaking of the creation of vision when this movie was coming out, that's a character. It's like, how the hell are you going to pull off the android that can face through things who's humanoid and has the Scarlet Witch in love with him? Mm-hmm. It's such yeah. a bizarre idea. And they pull it off. They, they do that. Took I mean, it and they landed it. It's like kids when they do the water bottle flip game. It's like, oh my God, you landed it. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is a great example for this time in history 20 years from now we'll have no idea what that means look it up on youtube if youtube still <laughs> exists we know tiktok won't tiktok will be gone in a couple of years but youtube will be do here it forever for the vine. yeah exactly <laughs> uh do it for the vine <laughs> exactly there you go michael um so yeah i mean there are so there's so much introduced in this movie alone and nothing seems um, shoehorned in. Nothing seems forced in. I mean, you're introduced Except to Ultron's lips. Yeah. No. Again, we've talked about that before as well. How it was one of the few things that we really didn't enjoy about this movie is there the animation of mechanical lips was not very good. We've seen other mechanical beings talk that are just as bad Transformers, um, but it's um, just. Again, we're also introduced to characters that have all this technology. And it's believable that this, I mean, the, the female scientist that actually has um, the, the ability to make uh, the body of uh, a vision. But um, again, I, I mean, we're given freaking Tony Stark beating the crap out of Hulk in the Hulkbuster. I mean, you can't, I mean all the stuff we're given in this movie is spectacular in a what a two hour and 21 minute movie yeah now, they give you so much yeah yeah you can only do so much but you're given so much and all that and we kill off a main character as well where we introduce a couple of characters kill one of them off uh yeah it just sets everything rolling and of course what happens at the end of this movie sets up what's going to happen in the rest of the Marvel universe. This is another tentpole movie. It's basically setting up a new phase and it's what happens in the next couple of movies is directly a result of what happened in this one. 
Now, when you come to our uh, the movie that we're going up against, which again, Marvel's uh, Endgame, it's the end of an era. It's so much on the screen. So much is given to you in so much, so little of a time, the amount that they cover. I mean... I just have to say about that, first of all, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. you're talking about how much they cram into the time. They also keep breathing room. There's moments where you can feel something. There's casual conversations. Yeah. So it's not just crammed with action, but they still let it breathe. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Tony and Cap chopping wood. Well. Yeah, in Ultron they do that. <laughs> Captain and, tearing and, and wood apart. <laughs> that's a great moment. And yeah. then in Endgame, there's all like you start off with killing Thanos. Like, how do you finish a movie after that? But then there's all these quiet moments and there's character moments and there's you know Cap and Iron Man getting back together and becoming friends again and trusting each other. There's so much that happens. Where so many movies would just try and cram it with action and it's just a CGI mess, but know that they realize everything's built on the characters and everything that's come before that, and they let it breathe. Like there's space in between, and it makes it great movies. Yeah, and it basically goes from like action sequence to action sequence. But again, you do have that time to relax. You do have that time to decompress, and then you're like, it, you're like on a roller coaster. You're you're going up the clicky clack clicky clack clicky clack. Come up to the top, the little turn. Oh. And then downhill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that whole entire going back up is your rest. You're like, okay, all right, we're going to catch our breath. We're going to go, oh, 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 why are we going higher on this one? This one, I don't remember the second hill being bigger than the first hill. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it again, it's a very difficult decision. Now, we already have one vote in because he decided he didn't want to say anything else about this. But uh, what do you say, Trevor? What, do you, what are your, like, when you choose the one, why are you choosing the one over the other? Scale. Sense of scale. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, when I, I compare villains, Thanos versus Ultron, who's the bigger threat? Um, yeah, so Age of Ultron, it's the Avengers working as the Avengers first Avengers movie is them getting together to me Endgame is the Avengers all of them assembling this is all of the Avengers the, you know he even said he finally says Avengers assemble this is the culmination of, of everything because it's a much bigger threat and I would say it's not just the Avengers this is the ultimate Marvel crossover where you have to buy 100 comics over the summer because there's so many characters and and yet we would do it we still do it to, to, to get the we whole story because we, we were idiots. We, we were idiots, but we we wanted to see the story from all angles. We want to see how each part came together to make that big hole. And in terms of when I compare Age of Ultron to Endgame, I look at it, which movie would I watch if it was on TV? If I just like oh stop here and watch, but also it's the scale of the movie. Yes, the the the, the cast, the heroes is bigger, but the villain is that much bigger as well. If anything, scaling up the, the, the hero side doesn't match how much they scale up the, the, the antagonist. Like, all, yeah, Ultron was a threat via the internet and, and whatnot. Thanos was a galaxy-wide threat. I mean, Ultron could never reach that point. I mean, maybe eventually, but for the, in terms of films, Thanos was such 
a big threat. And the fact that the movie leading to Endgame, Thanos won. He he beat them. So yeah, it was as Mike said, they start the movie off, they kill Thanos, and you're like, well, you're gonna go from here. And they're like, What's all right, we have left. We're gonna show you where we're going from here. And then they take you on a hell of a ride. And by Hold the time you get to the end, you know, you have the death of Iron Man, you have Cap as an old guy. They're 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 gone, they're off the Avengers. Um, you know, it's no more it's, profit sharing. Exactly. It's it's such a to me, it's such a, a you know, a big it's like comparing, you know, the roller coaster here. And then the much, much bigger roller coaster has the, the bigger payoff at the end where you, you actually go underwater at one point. It's, you know, which one would I'm which one am I going to go in line and ride again? And if I have to choose, it's going to be Endgame. Endgame is going to be my choice as the better of the two. So that's my vote. So one thing I thought you said interesting there, Trevor, is like if it was on TV, which one would you choose to watch? Just, mm-hmm. you know, to just jump in? Yeah. I probably would say Age of Ultron because it has small bite-sized chunks that you can enjoy. If I was just flipping through channels and Endgame was on, I was like, I'm in for the whole thing. Like See, you can't. I I've actually I've, I've hit that point where you know Age of Ultron is on. If it's not at a point that's going to hook me and make me want, it basically encourage me to keep watching, I'll just keep going. There's really no part in Endgame that doesn't have that hook that's going to make me like, ooh. And then next thing I know, I'm that's down that thing. rabbit hole and three and a half hours have gone by and I'm ah, oh, damn it, I was, there was something else I was supposed to be working on. Because it's, it's just, it's hook after hook after hook and you're like, ooh, ooh, this is going to happen. Now. And then, ooh, ooh. And yeah, and next thing you know, credits are rolling and you're like, well, son of a bitch, I just wasted three hours. Yeah, the kids were watching it. I was walking through just as Tony Stark is talking to his father during when they went back in time to the military base. It's like, mm. ooh, this is a good part. And I find myself just sitting down. It's like, I'm in it for the ride now. Like, I can't yeah, leave. Yeah, exactly. There's, like, there's no, no part in Endgame that I would get up and, and like, I, I'd be like, no, no, no I, I don't need to watch. Because at any point in that film, that scene starts and you're like, okay, I'm in it. I'm, I'm in it to the yeah. end. <laughs> Age of Ultron, there's not as many points. Like, there are points where I could definitely like, okay, yeah, and let's let's keep flipping up the flip the channel right, you can watch hulk buster versus hulk yeah Once and the then fight's be like, done, right, it's like let's... that was cool okay i can walk away at this point yeah or in game like the... they they link them one next to the other so that once you sit down once you start once you watch that one little chunk before you know what you've watched the, the rest of it and you're like ah damn it i'm supposed to go do something yeah so that's why my votes for endgame is the better film yeah yeah for me it's like both movies have a lot of great moments and I think it's neat where we're getting into the showdown now where the movies keep connecting yeah. in certain ways. Like one of my favorite moments so in Age of Ultron is Captain America picking up the hammer for the first time. And we see it move. Yeah. Right? We see that but end game, I'm like, we have end the game, you really see it move. Yeah. yeah. Right? They, they, I think and the Russo the brothers did it really well where I think they've, they studied all the movies in the past and uh, okay, here's a, here's the, the setup. Let's do the payoff. Here's a setup. They did. Thinking that, I mean, honestly, I think Spider-Man, the the film that came after, could have honestly been the start of Phase 4. Phase phase 3 could have ended with Endgame because it was the perfect end point. It could have. I do think Spider-Man was a great epilogue. It was a great epilogue, but honestly, it could have been the start of Phase 4 because 
phase four is going to be some some somewhat of picking up the pieces after Endgame, um, where they can you know you have more movies now where we can see how different things are going on and picking up some of the pieces of, in the aftermath. You know, mm-hmm. just like like in in WandaVision, we have people coming back from the snap. You yeah. know, that's to me that's that's a great foundation to start from. Um, so yeah. That's why my votes for for Endgame is of the two films. Endgame to me is the better film. Okay, so yeah, I, I think like all you guys had good things to say. I definitely agree with Trevor with the, the bigger threat, the better villain. That's always a good way to gauge it. Um, if you think about favorite moments, like the things that make you stand up and cheer, both movies had it in spades. But again, back to the water bottle flipping analogy. Like you can't deny that this was the, the biggest water bottle flip landing of all time. The fact that you were able to take all the movies before and with the movie like Infinity War and actually land the thing in a way where everybody's satisfied, everybody's cheering. It's such a great movie experience. So yeah, my vote goes to Endgame. In, in some ways, I'm still kind of deaf from the, the audience cheering when, when Milner comes back and lands in Cap's hand. It was so deafening in that theater. Yeah, I think everyone everyone had got ear damage from that one because that was just like, oh my god, can people really be conceivably this loud? We could drive a yeah. dragster right through the center of the theater and no one would have noticed. And that's the thing is, as a comic book nerd, it's like, of course, I'm going to love that moment, but the fact that everybody loved that moment, yeah, that's that's one of those things There's... that uh, I think in older movies it was it was kind of like you know you'd be sitting there and you would like yes and then you'd be like oh shit that was out loud but yeah, that was a, no this this you is... couldn't hear yourself say yes because it was so loud theater that's i think this is why marvel films are kicking the bejesus out of the dc films because dc is trying to have those moments those big yes moments but there's no build-up to it right they haven't, they haven't earned, earned them. them yeah it's like marvel's like we'll wait 10 films to, to give you that payoff and give you that yes yeah. moment DC's trying to like, well, 15 minutes ago, we did this. So now we want you to scream yes. And you're like, I don't care that they said Martha. See how much like the Avengers we are in this scene? You like the Avengers, so like us. Yes. Please? Yell yes. Come on. Please? Anyone? 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 Anyone going to yell yes? Anyone? You? You yell. Uh, oh, no. Okay, you're yawning. Yeah. Oh, you. Oh, no. He's choking on popcorn. All right. Well, now, I will I- say... I will say as a quick aside, the the photos from the upcoming Flash film have got me a little excited of seeing Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton as Batman. And I do like the bike. That is a nice looking, I just don't think it can corner. But I didn't see the bike. Oh, there's there's only there's only like two far away zoomed in blurry cell phone camera shots of yeah. But it looks like a good sort of thing. Um, so what I'm going to say is um, what I enjoy about what Disney Plus has done with their series, especially WandaVision, is given us extra meat for Age of Ultron. I love how we now have more backstory of the characters and how that extra stuff works perfectly for what we've already seen. It doesn't add anything extra to make it seem too intrusive with Age of Ultron. Like they didn't reveal anything that was not already known. They just expanded on information that we got and all that. So that being said, even though that is afterwards, the fact that we have so much 
again, I'm going to the character development. There is, there's no one, there's no one new in Endgame. Okay. There's no one new. We're introduced to everybody. We've got a younger Thanos, a five years ago Thanos, or however long ago he was from before he travels into the present day or whatnot, before he actually had all the, the, the infinity stones and all the characters are already given to it. We have fat Thor now, which is again, a perfect way that the character would have developed after what we had he went through in the end. You're going to say perfect cosplay for the rest of us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it was just, it was nice to be introduced to brand new characters and they were fully fledged characters by the end of the movie, even though like vision wasn't in it for very long. Of course they expanded on it in future films and all that. And by the time we get to infinity war, Characters are completely different than what they were in Civil War and whatnot, but that's what happens when teams split up and world starts to change and whatnot. Um, I really enjoyed the interaction of the smaller group, but we also got that in Endgame because we had the groups that were together were interacting with each other and all that. Like Tony Stark being stuck on the ship with Nebula was even though there isn't much there and friggin what's her face jillian jillian karen karen jillian karen, Jill, karen gillian sharon gillian, gillian sorry her reacting to robert downey jr's like robert downey jr's line delivery is so seems so fluid so so improvised right and her like trying to figure out if he's being serious with stuff and all that sort of thing is kind of cool. I mean, the two of them acting together. Then you got the whole entire council down on earth where Scarlet Witch, I mean, sorry, where Black Widow is in charge and everyone's like coming to her with all the stuff and even the tiny little things. Ooh, there was an, there was an earthquake underwater off the coast of uh, Africa. And like, should we investigate? And like, no, it was an earthquake underwater, the whatnot. I mean, it's just laying Name or has to come yeah. later. Exactly, yeah. I mean, they did a lot of seed lane in, in, in Endgame. And I will, will come eventually. Yeah, eventually, yeah. So, I mean, like everyone else here, both movies are great for their things. And it is the scale that puts Endgame over the, over the edge for me as well. The the spectacle of the movie is what makes it so much more enjoyable. Uh, there are stand-up, there aren't very many stand-up and cheer moments in Age of Ultron. There are at least five stand-up and cheer moments in Endgame that you, everyone experienced. You can be at a theater on day one and then day 20 before the movie comes out because you know movies aren't in the theaters that very long mm. and you'll experience stuff in the first viewing that you wouldn't in whatever you are 20 weeks later but in endgame first day last day in the theater those i'm just going to say five particular moments always happen there's always the cheer there's always the friggin avengers assemble on your left friggin getting the hammer it's just and it was yeah. getting his head chopped off 
Thanos getting his head chopped off. Like, yeah. Don't lose your head. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, we got to give it to uh, Endgame. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, all right. So that's going to bring us to our question and answer uh, period and all that. Excuse me. I'd just like to ask a question. What the hell is going on here? What did you expect? Why so serious? You talking to me? You talking to me? Too short for a stormtrooper. What's in the box? You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Who is your daddy and what does he do? What are you doing? I'm asking you a question. I believe that we have our first question coming from uh, Mr. Trevor himself. Me? Who? Oh, yeah. yes. What would your question be? Um, if Thor and Hulk had been around in Civil War, what side would they have taken? Cap or Iron Man? Now, I do know that we had a bit of a conversation and all that, but let's rehash that for the fact that we, I mean, for our listening audience, let's bring out that. Who brought up the fact first? Who was the first one to bring up? Gavin answered it first. There you go. So, yeah. Uh, I think Thor would be just really irritated by the fact that it's just petty human squabbles and probably try to do his best to work with, with, with all of his friends, try to, you know, get them to enjoy a big mug of meat or something with, uh, with them. Uh, Bruce Banner, I think would probably feel the Hulk needs to be regulated somehow. So I, I would say probably team, team Iron Man, but the Hulk wouldn't give a shit. The Hulk would basically just go with whoever is nicest to him. So you don't think, so you don't think, okay. So you don't think that Bruce would automatically team with Iron Man? He, I think he, he would probably side with Iron Man just right. because he feels that with the, with the Hulk being as uncontrollable as the Hulk is, Right, that might would be the side that might be able to figure out something, some way to control him in some way. But okay. the moment he changes into the Hulk, and all, all bets are off. It's whoever, whoever, whoever basically gave Hulk a candy bar last. <laughs> so okay, but that's the thing, though. At this point, isn't doesn't Natasha have her? Yeah, she's got a little her effect over does. Hulk. Doesn't she yeah. have the common effect over Hulk at this point? So oh, technically that's been broken after Age of Ultron. I don't know if it was broken. I mean, he Hulk left. Hulk's like, screw you guys. I'm going But this space is assuming Hulk doesn't leave. This is assuming matches. that Hulk <laughs> well, no, doesn't yeah, leave and Thor doesn't take off to go find out about Infinity mm -hmm. Stones, that they're around for civil war. So but it seemed to me after Age of Ultron, it's things are a little bit broken. Oh, right, because at the end... Oh, I see what you're saying, yes. Because yeah. at the end of Age of Ultron, Bruce flies off, right? Yeah, well, she pushes him off a cliff to make him turn into Hulk, and he goes and does some smashing. Yeah, yeah. he goes and, and takes out Ultron and throws a hissy and... fit and pouts and flies yeah, away. Yeah, and that's what he... Okay, yeah. then that's when he takes off. So we're saying in a scenario where he doesn't take off. So By the yeah. time it's Civil War, that moment still happened. It but still he happened, didn't but fly away. But, he's still yeah, on Earth. He's still on Earth, but he's still throwing a hissy fit. Okay, I see where we're going for that. Okay, so he probably won't. Okay, now I see. I see. Okay, I see where we're going. Yeah, because thing yeah. is, Banner. Banner is logical. He under he's he fully comprehends what's going on. The Hulk, 
He's not smart Hulk yet. Yeah, he's not Professor Hulk. Now, my take is, in terms of the Banner-Hulk thing, Banner's going to decide with Tony. Um, because, yeah, he needs the Hulk regulated. Hulk is going to side with Cap because Cap lets him smash. I mean, from, from right from Avengers, where he's like, Hulk, he turns, smash. And that brings out the smile on the Hulk's face. So in, in Hulk's mind, Cap is to follow because Cap lets him smash. And Iron Man did try and beat up Hulk. Exactly. That was the other thing is okay. Iron Man and Hulk are right now are not really simpatico. Yeah. Uh, so he's going to see Iron Man. He's going to see the red and gold and like, wait a minute, this guy punched me in the face a lot. I don't like this guy. Okay. On the other side of with Thor, I I think he's, he would side with Cap because he's not going to let any human agency regulate him. He's not going to let any human agency say, you can't go here. You have to go here. He's going to like, do you realize who you're talking to? And so that's why I think if he had to choose a side, he would probably choose Cap's side because Cap's is saying the government can't regulate us. And Thor would be like, well, exactly. They can't regulate me. So that's why I would say, yeah, Hulk would be on team Cap unless he switched to Banner and which Banner would go to, to Iron Man. And Thor would be on team Cap because he says, no, the government can't tell him what to do. Only one person can tell Thor who to do, and that's Odin. And Odin's not around. Yeah, for myself, it's a multi-tiered answer. So I agree with both of you guys. I think just to answer the question as clearly as possible, Thor would join Cap because, like you guys said, he doesn't care about these earthly, silly contests. And Captain America actually picked up the hammer, and he saw it. So he knows who's worthy. Is he going to get in a fight with him? No, he's going to join Capside. Uh, Bruce Banner is going to join up with Tony because they're the scientists and they did the Hulkbuster and they're going to handle it from a scientific point of view and the regulation. So that would be like the most kind of clear-cut base level answer. I do agree as soon as Hulk gets into the picture, he's just going to smash. It is whoever, whoever's in his way. Whoever offers him the Snickers. Yes. So I do think there's something about that. But ultimately, I think the top level is you would get Team Thor. It would be Thor, Hulk, and Daryl. And they would (laughs) kick everybody's asses. Yeah, good old (laughs) Daryl. And just like the Milner on the the toilet seat. (laughs) Yeah. Go to the gas station. All right. So uh, moving on to our other question is we have a question sent in from our regular Adam Blendick. And uh, the question is, uh, what was your least favorite background property character in the new Space Jam? Uh, He also puts in uh, a message saying that uh, mine was Voldemort with a nose. Uh, Second place, track pants uh, wearing flying monkeys. He also said to uh, feel free to expand this to uh, other films like uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet or Ready Player One. Now, um, I myself... I'll jump right in for Space Jam. I'm going to go first. I think it's probably the story. I didn't see it, <laughs> but I think that was the worst background character. Uh, there was a story? Oh, oh, damn it, you. <laughs> <laughs> How could it be a background character if there was no story? <laughs> he wasn't even there. The story didn't even bother to show up. It was just a bunch of cocktail napkins. So I read a, I read a brief list of... There was like so many lists of characters because I did not watch this movie. I did not 
plan on watching this movie. I do not plan on watching this movie. My daughter got a Happy Meal today and it was uh, Space Jam 2. I'm thrilled because it was a Tasmanian Devil toy and that means I don't have to get any more toys from McDonald's for Space Jam 2 because <laughs> I got my Taz toy. I got a bunch of Yosemite Sam's. Oh, I got you. Oh, and you probably in the runner. States got completely different toys than us too. I mean, but um, yeah, we had stuffed DC characters when you had the friggin' Star Wars spaceships, which seemed to go longer than me. But I'm getting off track here because now I'm getting pissed at the fact that Canada gets crappy McDonald's toys. Um, where was I going? Oh, yeah. So there was like lists and lists and lists and stuff Trevor, like that. Put it away. Like Rick and Morty show up in this movie. Stop geeking off, Trevor. Um, yeah, Rick and Morty show up in this movie. Uh, there's references to um, uh, 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 Clockwork Orange. There is Wizard of Oz stuff in it. There is it. It seems like the mask apparently shows up. Jim Carrey's the yeah. mask. I mean, they go to Anyways, Themyscira. They go to Themyscira. They go to Themyscira where in they Space actually. Gym? Yeah, in Space Jam 2. Apparently they go to Themyscira and that's where they pick up Lola Bunny who's training to be an Amazon. They actually and pluck her out of a sequence from Wonder Woman 84 to bring her into this movie. And Wonder Woman's over-animated hair. Have you it's, seen the over-animated hair? I, not, I have not. I've only Please, read. I've everyone, just done... Go to YouTube. Space Jam 2, Wonder Woman. Watch the scene. So whoever got handed that scene and said, yeah, just, just make her hair blowing in the breeze channeled pocahontas and thought let's animate on ones and went like ape shit over it it is such an over oh my god okay we're gonna pause recording for a second because this seems too much to miss someone bring it and then they wandered away it was playing in the background oh recording again so uh it turns out only one of us actually watched bits and pieces of this movie and that was about it um i have Trevor nothing to contribute this to this conversation yeah, yeah. no exactly um, we did watch the uh, animated sequence of uh, who's, Wonder Who's Woman. got some loudness going on? I don't know. Gavin, is that you? What are you hearing? There it is. Yeah, I hear it now. It's not in time with what I've got in my background, so I don't know if right. it's me. But yes, it was just like, it was Derek actually that said, watch Wonder Woman's hair. And I was like, what? And I looked, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Who? It was someone was like, hey, I'm here for the week. I'm going to animate some hair and I'm going to animate everything on ones and goodbye. It was just like a hyperactive four year old. guys? Yeah. It was like... <laughs> so, uh, did you guys hear yeah. about that new DC movie? So, this is. I wouldn't know just... how to animate that scene. Okay, when we go to her okay. hair, just maybe a little bit like. But oh no, no, it's like her own personal tornado was behind her head and the hair was reacting. Yeah. And it was just like, oh God, guys, really? So yeah, when I when I read Adam's question, I was like, can I say all of it? Can I say the whole whole damn thing? Like, but I mean, if I have to think about it, if this is supposed to be a kids' movie, why the hell is is Pennywise in the movie? Yes, Pennywise is in this movie as well. And again, I will say, not... all my kids love Pennywise. I mean, I personally, I I love the the new It movies. Um, Skarsgård did a great job, but I don't think he should be, that character should be showing up in what should be a kid's movie, if this is supposed to be a kid's movie. I don't know. Yeah, the whole thing's strange. Do you guys remember seeing the first Space Jam back? 
Oh god. During the yeah. Sheridan days. Yeah. That was one of the most horrific experiences of my life. I, I remember so go ahead. When did it come out? 96? Yeah. So we were right at the tail end. Yeah. Um, because we knew people that, that worked on it um that would have been ahead of us. And yeah, it was just like, wow. Uh and I remember like, thinking this might be another Roger Rabbit. It's kind of cool. It's like live action. Cartoons, they kept trying to shoehorn in um, pop culture references. Yeah. Like they had, was it uh, Yosemite Sam and Elmer Fudd doing a Reservoir Dogs thing? Um, but in, I guess in Space Jam 2, they do a bunch of like, you know, call outs to various, you know, historical things or, or, the, the, how are people going to know about like like how are kids going to know about some of these things like i remember seeing like in space jam thinking how are kids going to know who like who the reservoir dogs are unless their parents are right. really terrible people um yeah. so yeah and i guess space jam 2 has a lot of those as well um just you know just yeah well, let's let's call up stuff that kids will have no clue about so yeah yeah, anything that Warner Brothers has, let's just throw it in there. So, yeah. All right, so what about uh, any other movies? Like it says here, like, um, so Ralph Breaks the Internet. There's a lot of Disney properties that are involved in this, which is kind of neat. Even um, Star Wars. Well, Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet is, is nice because they, A, they they contain it to the various areas of the internet. Mm-hmm. So like the, yep. the, the Star Wars and, and stuff like that. But they don't, bash you in the face i mean they do the whole disney princesses thing which was a cute little sequence yes um, which i is a fantastic sequence actually yeah and the fact that they, they got all the original voice actresses to, to mm-hmm. play their roles which was a nice touch but it's it's not the key moments of the movie are not based on those it's just you it's like when you you see them traveling to the different parts of the internet and and the different you know physical representations or visual representations of, w- of what these parts of the internets are to me that was that's it was one kind movie of a... where i thought it was going to be disastrous because it's a sequel yeah. and they're trying to jump on the whole social media bandwagon of things but i thought the movie did it well yeah like I, when, I i like record ralph. when ralph's trying to do ebay and he's bidding against himself that's hilarious yeah, and just no, seeing it, the visual yeah. representations of what the internet could be like, mm-hmm. you know, because you know we all had our cyberpunk days and we had our visions of what the internet could be if you get fully immersed. And I thought it's like this is a funny way to represent that. It was. So I, I like the fact those that those movies know, the, did well. The, the the little ways of traveling around the internet and Ralph gets crunched into one. It was great. Yeah. Um, Ready Player One. Um, I know they they got a they they got licensing from everyone that they could to throw the characters in. And that's kind of like what, you know, the internet would be. If you say, here's a big open world and you can be any character you want, you're going to get a lot of people trying to grab the the name brand characters, you know, from video games and movies and, and everything else. You're going to someone who's going, I want to be Batman. I want to be Superman and, and, and so on and so forth. And it was, a, to me, it was a very accurate representation of, of that culture. So it worked. It was Space the Rod- it's the Who Frame Roger Rabbit of the modern day, exactly. And but they expanded it just past Disney yeah. and Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah, and- no, for sure, for sure, yeah. Now I will say for Ready Player One, I haven't seen the movie, 
But my daughter read the book, was a huge fan of it, and saw the movie. And she was disappointed with all the movie references that were in the actual film because Part it didn't that. quite I mean, represent what was in the book. She well, said it was a lot of Steven Spielberg stuff just well, kind of crammed Well, that's in. just it. Like, I, I read the book first and then saw the movie. And then I read some of the, the stuff. Some of the licensing they couldn't get. They just couldn't right. get. And Spielberg actually yeah. wanted to pull more of his stuff out of the film but they're like we have nothing to replace it with because we couldn't get some of the the licenses for the other things that they have in the book right. so they're like we either use this or or use just something generic and then it, it, it it's even worse so i think they the compromise they made was was pretty good i don't know how a movie of ready player two is going to work but we'll see um, but didn't the original author also have something to do with the script treatment as well? Didn't they go to him for script treatment or they, something like yeah, that? Yeah, they, they got for some things. But the biggest thing was getting the licensing from like yeah, all yeah, these yeah. different companies. Yeah. And some of the companies were just like, nope, nope. I don't care how much money you throw at us. Nope. And you know, some of these are like very integral parts of the book. And they're like, well, shit. Uh, yeah, well, like yeah. Voltron and and uh, and uh, the the Super Saiyan uh, Sentai Spider Man robot and all that yeah. stuff, like the Gundams. Like, yeah. there was none of that in the movie, and they I just there there yeah. was this whole sequence in the in the book where I'm just I've got it in my head, and I'm going like, oh, this is gonna be great to see it on the on the big screen, and wow, what a letdown in terms yeah, they, of you know they having to use Mecha Godzilla instead, having to use Gundam yeah. instead. Yeah you were like, this isn't how it was in the book, but they're, you know, then you realize they just couldn't get the rights. They just, and rather than say, oh, we're just going to make a generic character to fill, to fill it. They got who they could get the rights for. And, and, you know, as I said, it's, it's like, you know, you're trying to put together a statue of like Venus de Milo and you're told you can't use marble. And you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> in the case of Ready Player Two, because my daughter's reading that one now, the amount of Tolkien that's in it, Similarian, mm-hmm. I'm like, Amazon just paid a whole ton of money. There's no way in hell you're using that. No, no. So it's 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 going to be interesting to see what kind of compromise they go there. I mean, Bezos has enough money to send his dick rocket into space, so maybe they could offer him something just else. Just put that um, in it. Ready Player Two is just a dick rocket. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, it's so jumping back to Adam's question, um, there was just so many issues with characters they had in space jam 2 that it just it was such a mishmash um it's like they couldn't decide if this was going to be a kids movie or an adult movie or something in between hey we'll have something for everybody but then it just doesn't they weren't even sure if it was a movie yeah again they were like hey we got lebron he's he's michael jordan let's let's do space jam 2 and then they're like well what kind of personality should we have lebron let's make him a grumpy dad completely opposite of, of, of you know how he presents himself let's make him the the, the curmudgeon dad who, who demands that his kids follow in his footsteps because that's exactly who he is isn't it and they even i think in, in some way i saw the scene where they have like the warner brothers execs trying to pitch him stuff and i'm thinking this probably happened in real life them trying to pitch him a movie him like oh fuck no and they're like well we'll drive a truck full of money up to your house and he's like uh and they're like and your kids will love it uh let's just do it Fuck it, okay. So that honestly just felt like every scene that I watched, people were just kind of phoning in their performances, like, fuck it, okay, let's just get this scene done. 
That's what it felt like. Even the people, like even the animated characters, it's like the voice actors, like, fuck it, let's just say the lines. Give me my paycheck. Let me go home. All righty then. So on that note, I think uh, we're going to wrap up this particular episode. I want to thank everyone for uh, sticking with us for the length of this particular one. Hopefully everyone had some fun uh, listening along. I'm pretty sure we had some fun. No, I'm getting some no's. I'm getting some maybes. <laughs> eh, we're in a little bit of an E sort of thing, but uh, we're going to say goodnight right here, gentlemen. And uh, we're going to go with the... Goodnight uh, right here, gentlemen. Goodnight right here, gentlemen. Uh, is that what we're supposed to say? I no. guess that's what we're doing right now. I don't know. I th- Unite, I we everybody. Collective, <laughs> collective advice. We're going to do this again. Collective oh, that's what advice. We're yeah. All right, let's do that. Advice. Let's harmonize. Right. We're getting better and at that. Three, two, one. Collective advice. Oh, I didn't get yeah. the wave in there. Sorry, guys. Okay. Oh, let's do well, it again then. No, 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 we'll, we'll try again next, next week. week. All right. Talk to you guys later. All right. Bye. You have just been listening to Geeking Off the Page with your hosts. Mike Kitchen, Gavin Burbage, Trevor Brown, and Troy Bowman. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Also, if you could leave us a rating and comment, that would assist in allowing others to find this podcast more easily. You can follow the podcast on the following social platforms. Instagram and Twitter, search for at Planet Geek Pod, all one word. On Facebook, search for Planet Geek Productions. Or you can send us an email to planetgeekpod at gmail.com. Buy the guys a coffee by going to kofi ko-fi.com slash planetgeekpod. And know that any and all donations will go towards improving all current and future Planet Geek Productions programs. Thank you for listening.